there's nothing better than your own theme music. I mean, technically, it's not my own. This is the spinning rack. I like to think of the theme music as something that belongs to the program, to the show. But given I'm the one talking afterwards, hard not to think about it being our theme music. Theme music for what, you might ask? Well, if you're a regular, you already know the answer to that question. However, since I'm always looking forward to the opportunity to sharing the spinner rack with a new fan, a new friend, a new face, this is the DC Comics new spinner rack. I know this because I'm your host, Seth Singleton. This is episode number 65, and this week, just like every week, I'm going to be diving into my top five picks from DC Comics. I believe these are great books that, among all the ones you can choose this week if you only read five, I say, read these. Without any further ado, I'm going to start things off with my first choice, which is Shazam number 13, a great story written by Jeff Johns, with art by Dale Eaglesham, colors by Michael Adia, letters by Rob Lay, an original cover by Dale Eaglesham, with Michael Atia, and a variant cover by Julian Totino Tedesco. So what do I like about this? Well, I start out with Shazam, who I'm just a sucker for. He's just one of those bright, abulent characters who... He just lights up the room. Whether it's the lightning bolt or the smile, the guy just makes an appearance. And when he does, you have that strange, calming sense that... <laughs> He wants only the best and only what's right. Now, what you want and what you get can often be a very big challenge. And in this chapter 12 of Shazam and the Seven Magic Lands, what Billy wanted the most, Billy Batson, Shazam's alter ego, wanted the most was his family. And at one point, he believed he had settled and established a family one with all of the children who were part of the home for orphan kids who had been adopted, and with the new parents who he had slowly been forging a relationship. And that all got jumbled up when his birth father appeared on the scene, and things got more confusing when, in the midst of turmoil, Billy decided to share his magic with his own father. What he didn't know was that his father was an instrument and a tool of Mr. Mine. And Mr. Mine has been busy. In fact, when we open this issue, it's Shazam, <laughs> his family, and across from them is Shazam's father, and a very, well, menacing-looking group of creatures known as the Monster Society. It's a great combination of some wonderfully powerful visual takes on classic monster tropes that you might recognize. Everyone from Jeepers to an over, overly muscled warrior, King Cole, Dr. Merry-Go-Round, the Red Queen, and even Black Adam. Now, Shazam's family... It's generally pretty strong, but it doesn't help when they're fighting against someone who carries their own power. And, for the reasons explained by Mr. Mine, it's not something Billy can take away. It's only something he can fight. 
and when pushed to the edge, he even gives in to revealing the Book of Champions, providing it to the Monster Society, and agreeing to read the words inscribed within. By doing so, Billy takes down the walls that separate all of the strange lands, and there is an appearance in the monster lands of a figure who has not been seen for a very long time, but whose arrival, I think, could change not only the story that's occurring here in Shazam, but break out and cross over into other stories. It's one of my favorite things about a great comic book story. The feeling that it's doing one thing, and then at some point revealing an entirely different scenario, plot, that has been occurring off page. But now that it's arrived, it might be too much to stay just on the pages of one book and cross over to others. I know I'm hinting at suggestions and mysteries, and yet at the same time, it's this feeling of an immense and overwhelming threat that actually pushes Billy to do something a bit unexpected. And when he does, the realization is that Billy has chosen to take the fight to Mr. Mine in a way that is wholly unexpected. And for that, there's a surprise waiting. So not only a new character, or a returning character, I should say, making a shadowy appearance, but with a silhouette that I believe is mostly unmistakable, followed by the decision by Billy to change tactics. I think it makes for a great story. I think it's a, <laughs> a really fun time. And I love that there's still this uh, exuberance, this, this joy. And as a reader, I feel that joy, that thrill, that excitement, that want for Shazam to get up, fight back, and be the hero I know he is. I'm curious to see if you'll find him to be the hero you know or are just discovering. And I do realize that chapter 12 is a tough point for anyone to jump into. But if you got the time, if you've got access to other books, a subscription to DC Universe, or a way to track them all down, I highly recommend reading all of those stories. But I wouldn't let not having those available take away the opportunity to jump in during a really fun story and have a great laugh and a good time. Shazam number 13 my first pick, and a great 5 out of 5 choice. Now for my second choice, I went with Justice League Dark, number 24, in a story titled As Above, So Below, written by Ram V, with art by Amanse Nahuelpan, colors by Jun Chung, letters by Rob Lay, an original cover by Yannick Paquette and Nathan Fairburn, with a variant cover by Zhang Jiang. I love Justice League Dark for all of the wonder, beauty, and magic it brings into its stories. I love the characters. I love the camaraderie. And I love the great stories that this book has been able to capture, create, and for me, more importantly, tell a story of magic that is wondrous, terrifying, adventurous, and full of so many of the great qualities that make a magic story so magical. 
Now we start off with a dark reminder of the dangers of magic with Zatanna's father, Zatara, standing amidst flames, burning, surrounded by stage creatures who have fallen to the ground, just on the edge of completely being destroyed by the fire, and yet not a punishment, a warning, something that Zatara would like to share with his daughter, with anyone who would dare to come to a world that is ruled by the Upside Down Man. Now we shift gears to Diana on a rooftop and with a great narration that at first feels like it's coming from Zatara and then feels like it's transitioned to something different. In fact, after a little bit, the voice becomes clear. It's our good friend Bobo, Detective Chimp. And he's talking to Diana about what he's seen, about how it was just a week ago, prior to the previous issues, that Bobo stumbled across a secret Zatanna has been keeping about her efforts to find her father, about the strange changes occurring to the team, whether it's Manbat, Dr. Kirk, or his revelation about the changes that have occurred with Swamp Thing, a decision about the mantle that is being discussed between Khalid and John Kent, and the realization, not only by Bobo, but by Diana, that these things are occurring as the team prepares, as it gets the feeling that there are consequences, that they're all trying to fight in their own ways. And yet at the same time, even Bobo knows that if they have any chance, they're going to have to fight together. <laughs> it's a wonderful realization, beautiful storytelling, captured with gorgeous art, dark shadows, the mysteries of space, the green vibrant of swamp things, well, many places he's journeyed to, and the wonderful translucence that magic takes when Zatanna casts a spell. But what really brings this book to mind for me, and why I made it my second choice, is the fact that all of these secrets, all of these discoveries Bobo has been making, are not just the ones that he's telling, but there's a few secrets he's keeping close to the chest much as if he was playing cards. He doesn't know if he has a good card, a winning hand, or just an option. But what he does have is the chance to stay back and defend while Diana and Zatanna take on a more direct approach. <laughs> the great thing about this setup in issue number 24 is the feeling that so much more is coming our way in issue number 25. I love the premise. I love that it is a precursor to that next moment of adventure and discovery. And I'm really looking forward to seeing just what issue number 25 has in store. This has been my second pick, Justice League Dark number 24, a great 5 out of 5 book, one I highly recommend, and look forward to hearing more about what you think. 
with my second book out of the way, we're going to take that quick break, talk to you about some ads, let you know everything that's going on, and then come on back for my third, fourth, and fifth choices. I'm Seth Singleton. This is The Spinner Rack. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. And just like that, we're back. A quick ad break, some messages, a little bit of info... And right back to the books. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. This is DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 65. We've got two books out of the way. Time to jump into my third choice. And for this one, I decided to go for Amethyst, number four. 
I'll be honest, this book has surprised me on more than one occasion. And each time that it does, I'm amazed at the wonder of the storytelling. And also at the way that I feel that we get the chance to experience a character who I only knew from the 80s from comic book covers that because of the purple didn't speak to my childhood desires but yet at the same time still found a way to capture my attention and then of course later to see more about amethyst and to have a few curiosities that i've come to this recent version of her story with a great awareness and a wonder and i've been met by great storytelling impressive and original art and this effort by Amy Reader, who provides both the story and the art, along with the vibrant colors of Marissa Louise, letters by Gabriella Downey, and a great original cover by Amy Reader. There's a lot of passion, pursuit displayed by Amy Reader in this book, and I feel it comes through in almost every issue. Now, this issue is <laughs> no slouch by any means, especially because it has been working on an idea that might have seemed so clear at one point and no longer does whatsoever. You see, Amethyst has been trying to figure out how things have suddenly changed from the world that she so comfortably ruled before to the chaos she's experienced on her most recent return. Not only does she find herself as the queen of a kingdom without allies, but uh, a kingdom who is missing its people, and a horrifying discovery she's made that many of them, including her parents who she thought were dead, are alive, trapped in a crystal, unable to escape. Now, the big bad guy in this story is Lord Opal, who she hates, despises, and has defeated, but who was running around in previous issues and has only since been captured and held prisoner. But the term prisoner doesn't last for long with a character like Opal. And when he makes a daring escape, it's only after he's revealed to Amethyst that the fate of her parents has nothing to do with him at all. <laughs> it's a horrifying rev revelation because for Amethyst, there is a feeling that she simply cannot seem to get her bearings. She believes that Opal's responsible his knowledge that he's not is interesting because he seems as frustrated by the knowledge her parents are still alive as she is terrified, horrified, and also maybe relieved. What that leads to is an escape attempt on Opal's part and the hastening of escape for Amethyst and her friends. In the process, Amethyst begins to lose some of those friends and make a few discoveries along the way. For example, there was a prince who was with her and charged by <clears throat> a parent, in quotes, who isn't actually a parent. It's a ruse devised by the king and queen so that they will no longer be under threat of attack, but their heir, in quotes, is the one who will most likely be the subject of any villainy or attacks that could be made against them will be targeted against him.
He's had about enough of everything and decides to take off. Amethyst could, and in fact, she is challenged by one of the friends who has stayed with her, that she has a reputation of fighting in battles with troops and then flying over them as she flew home and they began the long march <laughs> back to their kingdoms. It's not exactly a healthy reputation and it is one that Amethyst was blind to and thanks to her new friends is slowly becoming more aware of. And that awareness is not only to the benefit of her character development but to readers who might have previously enjoyed just sort of gallivanting along without thinking about what the consequences and repercussions might really be. I think this is a, a great story that is beginning to establish for Amethyst not only her responsibilities as a leader, but the responsibilities that tend to come with maturity, how we all must face them, how they can be painful and point out some disappointing parts of ourselves that we would rather either not have exist, not know about, and certainly not face. And yet, because we do, we become the adults that either we strive to be or we are destined to be. Love this great story. Love the beautiful, luscious art that goes with it. Uh, whether you're in the dungeons with Lord Opal or crossing the dark, dusty fields of a place known as the Sardonyx Realm, together they provide a perfect backdrop for the characters, the story, and I think a great adventure. Now I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are, and I'll leave you all the ways to do that right at the end. But before we can get to the end, we still have two more books to get through. Now for my fourth choice, I decided to go with Batgirl number 47. I had mixed feelings when I picked up this issue because, my goodness, there is a absolutely haunting cover provided by Giuseppe Comencoli, Cam Smith, and Jean-Francois Bellu. It's terrifying for anyone who has ever found themselves a bit scarred by the killing joke. It's Joker holding a bouquet with his twisted smile and a clenched fist behind his back, standing at the apartment door of Barbara Gordon. Now, if you had a chance to read issue number 46, Barbara had come to some real wonderful realizations about herself, about her community, about what she wanted, and about what she was going to do about people in her life that she had been keeping separate. There's this calming sort of feeling that she is displaying all while the reader is haunted by the tension, knowing that in the shadows, and you can see it on page one at the bottom, there in the background in the shadows, on page two, in the second panel is a pair of eyes, and then again at the bottom of the page is a shadowy figure creeping in the darkness in the background. And there's that great recognition of the talents that exist within the Bat family to know a threat and to act. And Batgirl's first instinct is powerful. But one of the more important things about this story 
has been the challenge for Barbara Gordon, who has learned to walk again thanks to an implant, but who has also been horribly scarred by the events that led to her time in a wheelchair and the trick that the Joker pulls on her after having taken over the Wayne family fortune and gaining access to all those wonderful toys, he finds a tool that allows him to disable that implant and again cripple Barbara. Now what I love about Barbara is at first she's in a world of pain and confusion and loss, but it's not a loss that's defining her. In fact, it's a loss that is powerful because it focuses everything about what she wants to control. She lets Joker talk. <laughs> and there's a great couple of dialogue scenes with majority of his words sort of fading into the background while keywords like Batman, sidekick, little girl, useless, and more rise to the surface. Barbara is determined, focused, <laughs> and she has a plan to send a secret signal. Unfortunately, the only person she keyed that signal to was Alfred, who's no longer with them, and she feels that sense of loneliness. But then, pushed against the wall, knowing that through his explanations and demonstrations, Joker can actually use the device in his hand to control her implant, force Barbara to walk, and demands that she will take him to the Batcave and reveal all its secrets. The face-off on a rooftop is powerful, and what I love about Barbara is not only her determination, but her ability to take control back in her hands and to strike back in such a way that at the end of the issue, there's a feeling that they are both wounded. They are both struggling. And what happens next is a mystery. But it's a mystery that will be discovered soon in the following pages. And I love that it ends with this great standoff and this feeling that Barbara is not done fighting. I really struggle with this issue because I feel like Barbara Gordon is such a great character. I hate this feeling that she can be so often defined simply by who she was before and who she is after the events of the killing joke. In this story, I feel she confronts those questions, those challenges, meets them head on, and I believe fights tooth and nail to show that she's more than who she was before or after the tragic events of the killing joke. She's more than a victim of the Joker and that she is perhaps more than just about anyone actually realized. And if you made the mistake of underestimating her, well, you're in for a rude awakening. This is Batgirl number 47, my fourth choice, and a great five out of five book to add to your picks this week. Now for my fifth and final choice, I decided to pick up Batman number 95. I really enjoyed the way this story, part one of Joker War by James Tynan, with art by Jorge Menez, colors by Tomu Mori, letters by Clayton Cowell, with original cover by Jimenez and Mori, and a variant cover by Francesco Matina. For me, this story did some wonderful things to 
set a, a sense and a tone at the beginning and then leave a bit of it unresolved by the end of this issue. It starts with the Batman in the Batmobile charging along, hunting down the Joker after discovery of poison bodies at a chemical plant, and how Alfred is pointing out that there seems to be no reason behind what they are facing, something Batman echoes as he tries to understand the motivations, the desire, or reasoning behind the Joker. And his only realization or feeling at the time is that the bodies are just dead meat. They've already died and Joker is just helping them along. And a feeling that this nemesis is different. Batman actually believes that they might be a test to challenge his limits or reveal them to the Joker. And it's a powerful test. <laughs> and I love the idea of Batman looking back on this moment, even while he's being chased and pursued by the Joker, who has taken over his fortune, who has seized all of his property, and who has placed Batman on the run in his own city. Now we do get some intriguing insights from characters like Punchline, who has been torturing Lucius Fox for all the information she can gain. While Joker appears to be revisiting all of the main points that have existed in he and Batman's history, whether it's the theater outside Crime Alley or the people inside he's about to poison. Now, through it all, Batman continues determined and he actually makes his way to what he believes is a hideout only to discover that punchline is there and that she has revealed that through their efforts they've encouraged lucius fox to reveal all of the hidden locations that batman thought others didn't know about add a little bit of a chemical cocktail one of Punchline's own creations, one that has elements of Scarecrow's fear toxin, along with some venom and a few other chemical components to basically challenge all of the tolerance Batman might have built up and in the process to tear it all down. This is a hard-charging, fast-paced story with moments of reflection that is surrounded by a madness that is not only destroying Gotham, but working its way to try and destroy Batman. Whether or not it's successful, well, from what we've been told, as far as the plan for this series, Joker War will be carrying on into issue number 100 of Batman, and along the way, it's touching on books like Batgirl, Nightwing, Detective Comics, and more. How far can the story stretch, twist, not only our ability to follow as readers, but our main character, Batman? I think we're in for a pretty hellish ride, but I really enjoyed the way this first chapter set a tone for all the ways that Batman is trying to fight back and all the ways his enemies have already made their way to places he would expect to go 
and in the process may have cut off his only chances to launch a comeback. There's more issues to come. Unfortunately, it looks like for Batman, things are only going to get worse before they get better. And that was my fifth and final choice, my top five, my picks for this week here on DC Comics New Spinner Rack, number 65. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. It's been my pleasure, honor, to share these books with you, to tell you about them, and perhaps encourage you to pick up a title you haven't read yet, or tell you about some of the things you can look forward to in titles you have already planned on adding to your collection. With that, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. I'd like to remind you that you're listening to the DC Comics News Spinner Rack here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network, one of the many programs we offer, and you can have access to all of them. All you have to do is subscribe on whatever platform you're using. Now, DC Comics New Podcast Network is available on all the big ones, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. But whatever your platform you're listening to, well, if you haven't yet, go ahead and click that subscribe button, and then tell us what you think by rating this and all of our shows. Because the DC Comics News Podcast Network is not just about the spinner wreck. In fact, it all started with the weekly podcast, continued on into the spinner wreck, and now includes additional great programming. Things like... I Am The Night, an episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray. We also have Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. A great episode-by-episode breakdown with a rather body attitude, which is appropriate when talking about the DC Universe original, Harley Quinn. There's more great content on the way. I continue to let my friend and co-host, Mr. Brad Felicki, know that we are all looking to the day when he launches his Felicki Fashion Podcast. But you don't have to wait. As long as you subscribe, you'll be guaranteed to get this and all of the content from the DC Comics News Podcast Network in your feed the moment you subscribe. So don't miss out. Hit the button and then rate and review so we know what you like, what you don't, what we can do better, and how we can keep you coming back for more. When it comes to letting us know what your thoughts are on social media, you can talk to the entire gang here at DC Comics News. All you need to do is go on your favorite platform like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Tumblr. Use the at symbol and DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. And when you do, you'll guarantee that we all know what you're thinking what you like, what you don't, and any other opinions you have to share. As for me personally, you can always let me know your thoughts directly. You can find me on Twitter as One More Singleton, on Instagram as Seth the Writer. But if you just need a little joy in your life, check out my dog's Instagram page, Bruno and Fiji. They're adorable and easier on the eyes than I am. And with that, we come to a close and I say thank you. I look forward to seeing you next time here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. And as we like to say each and every episode, the only thing you need to do until next time is to read more comics. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon.